Thanks for being so friendly with your neighbors around you. Uh, my name's Otto Ramos. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and it's my great honor and privilege to welcome you to Victory Life Church. If this is one of your first times joining us and you'd like to learn more about who we are, uh, we do have a website, and it's blchurch.com. And there is a banner there that is specifically designed for you if you are relatively new to Victory Life Church. And it says, Are You New Here? That's your banner. You can click on that, and there's a brief form to fill out that will come straight to me. And I have the great opportunity and good fortune of communicating with you uh, sometime this week if you fill that form out. I do have a few announcements to make, uh, the first of which is the fact that we're going to have a baptism service about a month from today on Sunday, March 28th. We're super excited about that. Uh, we did it during our service back, in, I think, the fall of 2019, soon after we finished our series on the story, and it was awesome. And we look forward uh, to having another baptism service on Sunday, March 28th, and if you know someone or if you would like to get baptized, uh, we invite you to check out some content that we've, we've actually put onto our website about getting baptized. So if you go to vlchurch.com, there actually is a baptism banner that you can click on. That'll take you straight to our baptism page, and you can check stuff out there. But we also have a baptism flyer. Um, at our Welcome Center, and I can hand that to you after church today if you'd like to actually have something physical. We still do create physical contents for people, and so if you'd like to stop by and see me afterwards, I'll hand you one of those, and you can take a look at that as well. But you can actually sign up to get baptized on our baptism page on our website. There's a, a link at the bottom that says click here to complete the baptism form. It'll take you to a page to fill out and uh, we really are excited about having a Baptism Sunday a month from today, so uh, take a look at that stuff. <clears throat> also want to make mention of the fact that we are super pumped to start uh, a new young adult ministry under the leadership and supervision of Pastor Aaron, and he has some awesome young adults that are going to be leading this. It is entitled The Collective. Really cool name, and they're going to have a launch date of March 11th, and they're going to have a an event that night uh, that includes a Chipotle bar. Yes, I did say Chipotle. It's going to be awesome. I might have to show up even though I'm not a young adult anymore. It's uh, going to be a great time. They're going to have some games and have some fun together and study God's Word and pray together. And then they'll meet every week on Thursday nights moving forward after March 11th. And so if you'd like to uh, come and you're a young adult, please, by all means, you're invited. Uh, but if you know any young adults, encourage them to come. It's going to be a great uh, young adult group, and they're going to study God's Word together, have good fellowship together, pray together, and really try to build up a young adult community here at Victory Life. Finally, if you have come to give to Victory Life Church this morning, you know that you can do it in a couple of different ways. You can do it uh, via text. You can text the message VLC3833 to the number 73256, or you can go straight to our website to vlchurch.com backslash give, and there's a Give Here tab. Click on that and uh, complete the form, but if you come with a good old-fashioned physical check, our ushers will be awaiting you as you depart this morning, and you can plop that in the basket that they have for you as you leave today. But thank you for giving to Victory Life Church. God blesses our church in amazing ways. This is a wonderful church, and so we're, we're thankful unto you for continuing to give to the ministry of Victory Life Church. Can I ask you to stand in preparation for worship this morning? 
And can I also ask you to just kind of close your eyes, and I'm going to read some scriptures to you that kind of uh, help us to move into this time of worship together. The first verse comes out of Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and it says this. It's a well-known one, well-known verse. It says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. It's a great verse. Then Jesus says in Matthew 10, verses 29 through 31, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your Father God. But even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. And then these last few verses out of Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Wonderful verses. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So Father God, it is because of these things and many more that we have come to declare you are in charge this morning. You are the King of kings, and you reign in our hearts. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
off his outer garments and led the procession dancing before the Lord with all his might. 
Some said it's too much. Too humble. Too exuberant. God found the offering acceptable in his sight. For we mortals can never give God too much. Or be too humble. Or too exuberant. In the presence of the Lord our God. Lord, may you find acceptable so may our song ever be. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. It's wonderful to have you here at VLC today. I'm Pastor Matt. It's my pleasure to get to bring the Word of God to you this morning. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to turn to the book of James. The book of James, chapter 1. I'm going to turn there too. You got to find that little place in between the end of Paul's letters and after Hebrews in order to get to James. We've been talking for seven weeks about the Word of God. This is the final message, the 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 ultimate, if you will. I don't know that it'll be ultimate in the sense of the American language, but the final message in terms of uh, speaking about putting our lives on the rock by participating in being people of the Word. Now. I tell you today that I had an experience this week that, 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 that just was not the best. I had to go to the Bureau of Motor Vehicles. See, somebody laughs immediately because we all know what a place of joy and mirth the BMV is. I decided that I was getting ready to go to the Bureau of Motor Vehicles that if the North Pole had an opposite, it would be the BMV. I don't know that there's much jolliness going on at the BMV. There is no gift giving, only taking. And I always feel like I'm on the naughty list when I walk in. But I uh, had to do that, had to get some cars going, had to get my, my federal license to fly. Have you got that yet? Are you, are you ready to hit a plane? Yeah, because now you can fly. So I had to, of course, do everything that was needed to get ready for that. I had to do my research, right? What documents do I need to bring? What do I need to get? I had to go to e-check because that's always a joy. Everybody loves e-check, right? Got my documents together, and then, of course, I had to risk being treated like I was on the naughty list, all right? But the truth of the matter is, I want to be able to drive without getting pulled over, so I needed new tags. 
and I'd like to be able to fly. This flying's good. In a post-COVID world, I'd like to go somewhere and get there fast. So I did what was necessary to engage and have the benefits of going to the BMV. We've been talking for many weeks about how much more is on the line when it comes to the Word of God. If we want to receive all the benefits and blessings of the Word of God, there's a way to get there. And the benefits and blessings of the Word of God go so far beyond being able to drive on the road, so far beyond being able to fly on a plane. The benefits are untold. They're numerous. They're extensive. And if you want any proof, just listen to the last six messages from BLC. Eternity with God is on the line. Identity and aligning ourselves with the one who gave us breath, it's on the line. Having our lives in order, it's on the line. Having what we need to make our life worthwhile, it's on the line. And putting ourselves in a general position to receive the blessing of the Lord, it's on the line when it comes to studying the word of God. Now, we have heard such things from Jesus. We have heard such things from Peter. We've heard such things from Paul. We've heard such things from John, and we've heard such things from Luke. From Luke, That means we've only got like three authors left in the whole New Testament. I'm not going to go into Jude, too small a book, but James has something to say today. James is going to tell us a pathway to receiving the blessings of the Word. He's going to give us some things to do that put us in a position to possess all of the things that we've been talking about for these last six weeks. And if we go ahead and do what James tells us to do, we're going to receive the privileges, okay, of the Word of God being in our lives. But there's some things we got to do. We want to receive the blessing. Let's see the pathway. It starts in verse 21 of James chapter 1. We'll be reading through verse 25. James says, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted Word, which is able to save your souls. Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, Being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in all that he's doing. I want to be blessed. How about you? I want the Word of God to have its full effect in my life. I don't want it to just be something that I have to read now and again to feel good about my spirituality. I don't want it to be something that that is a drag or a bore or something that, that just gives me more head knowledge. I want to receive the blessings that I've been talking about for the last six weeks. I want them to be real in my life. And James is saying, I've got a pathway for you to do that. The first thing is that you need to shut up and clean up. You need to shut up and clean up. You say, well, where do you get the idea from shut up? Well, if you were to back up just a few verses to verse 14 of James, you would see one of the most famous verses in all of the Bible. Forgive me, James 19, one of the most famous verses in all the Bible. This is the context for what we just read. James says in verse 19, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So he's putting this context together where we recognize that, you know what, we're not great listeners. We're not people who are really in a position as human beings to just want to listen. We want to get our opinion out there very quick, and we want to get angry very quick. If 
there was ever a verse that spoke to 21st century America, would it not be James 1.19? Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. That would revolutionize our culture if everybody lived it, would it not? So this is the context by which he says, get rid of all filthiness and rampant wickedness. You need to be quick to listen. Now, the interesting thing about this is, is James uses a very specific Greek term for filthiness, all right? The term he uses for filthiness in the Greek means a buildup of earwax. Yeah, I didn't know that was in the Bible, did you? Earwax is disgusting. I have five kids, and sometimes I clean out their earwax. Gross, right? Earwax is gross, but has anybody ever had a little earwax that builds up and then you have trouble hearing? It's down in there, it gets right against your eardrum, and you really can't hear anything. James says, get rid of anything that is a buildup of wax in your ear so that you can't hear the word of God. That's what he's getting at. Get rid of that stuff. Now, we have lots of things that build up from keep, that keep us from hearing the word. And mostly it has to do with sinful or not right behavior that we don't really want to read about, we don't really want to hear about, and it begins to build something up against us. I've always found it interesting when somebody has walked away from the Lord and is engaged in a lot of sin, and, and they're finally coming to their senses and they come and talk to me, they'll often say things like, I don't even know if I believe in God anymore. I'm like, right, because you've been sinning and you've been building up these walls between you and God, and you're not experiencing his voice, you're not experiencing his presence, you're not experiencing his spirit, because you're engaged in wax buildup. There's filthiness there. You can't hear him. You can't perceive him. You can't see him because you've been allowing this buildup to take place. In the same way, he says rampant wickedness. That's a term from horticulture, gardening. That's a term from gardening, something that overtakes in the garden and squeezes out and chokes the life out of other things in the garden. So he's giving us these two pictures of what it means to not listen to the word of God, to not listen to what God has to say. A, a, a wax buildup where you're letting it build and letting it build and letting it build and then God can't get through or you're letting something take over in the garden that you're not cutting and pruning back and it's keeping life and vitality from the word of God coming into your life. Now this could be anything and, and you know what it is. You know what's causing your wax buildup. You do. You know what's standing between you and God today. You know the things that you're ignoring him on. Here's the problem. We ignore God on one thing. Let's say that we have some unforgiveness in our life, that there's somebody that we need to make things right with, whether we thought that they started it, we started it, they did wrong. You, you know that that's not the way you're supposed to live as a Christian. And when you ignore the unforgiveness thing, what happens? Wax buildup. But that unforgiveness doesn't just build up wax against the concept of unforgiveness. It builds up wax against the voice of the Lord in your life overall. There's many things that can grow in your garden, but, but you can have one thing that chokes all of them out. See, this is, this is the idea that, that James is trying to get to. You've got to cut that stuff out. You've got to shut up and you've got to clean up. You've got to get that stuff out of the way so God can actually have things spoken into your life and growing in your life that are meaningful. So you say, which comes first, the chicken or the egg? Do I get rid of this stuff and then receive the implanted word, or do I receive the implanted word and then, then get rid of this stuff? Yes. It can happen both ways. We don't have to say, well, you got to get rid of it, and then you can hear. But, but in many ways, you do got to get rid of something so you can hear. We have things that overtake our life. We stop listening to the voice of the Lord, and then we can't hear other aspects of the voice of the Lord. So it could be unforgiveness. It could be some form of immorality. It could be darkness that we're taking in, like we're watching shows and movies that are just dark and demonic and have nothing to do with life and light. And, and, and God's going, stop, stop. 
Is that you? I don't think it's you. I can't understand why I'm getting depressed. I can't understand why I'm getting angry. No, God's trying to point out the blockage. He's trying to point out the vine that's taking over your garden. And he wants you to cut it out, and then he wants you to listen. So first, you've got to shut up and clean up. And then second, James says, you've got to receive the implanted word. See, there's that horticultural term. There's that gardening term. You have to receive the seed of the word of God with meekness. You've got to learn a little meekness. I don't like meekness. I'm an American. We're nonconformists by nature. We don't want to do what we're told. We don't want to receive the word with meekness. We want to go, but not for me. But I'm going to do that. I don't like that. I'm not into that, God. I love your word, and I love when you speak, except when you say that. I don't like that. I won't receive that with meekness. But meekness is about bringing your life into conformity with the one whom you're giving authority. So it's not whether or not you like it. It's whether or not your spirit is ready to conform to the word of God. Are you ready to receive the word of God in a meek fashion? Now, how many of you, when you open this thing, pray for that? I know I don't. I open this thing for a number of reasons. A lot of times it's like, God, I want to be near to you. I want to hear your voice. I want to know what you have to say. So, so, so speak to me. Or God, God, I, I need to be encouraged today. Can you point me towards something that will encourage me? Could you encourage me through your word? Or even God, I'm a Christian and I know I should open this, but I'm really not feeling this today, but I'm going to open this and I'm going to hope you do something through it. Is that real? Just being real with you, right? But I don't know the last time I prayed. God, I pray that what I read today, I would conform to. That's a scary prayer, wouldn't it be? That'd be scary. What I read, I would conform to. I would receive with meekness your word. So even if I don't like it, even if I don't think that I want to think that way, I'm going to trust that it's your word on the basis of everything I've been learning about your word, and I'm going to try to bring my life into conformity with it, not question it ad nauseum so that I'm really gritting my teeth against and going, no. Or passively, aggressively, letting the buildup continue and pretending like I can't hear what you're saying. So we can aggressively receive the word without meekness, or we can passive-aggressively receive the word without meekness. Aggressively, it's just, no, no, can't get with that, God. Not going to try to get with it. Not going to happen. No. Or we could just ignore it and allow the buildup to come back. My children do this regularly. They passively-aggressively do not receive my word. They don't have to aggress. No, Daddy. They know what no Daddy means. You're in deep trouble. So there's a second way. You don't have to say no, Daddy. You just have to ignore what I said and act like you didn't hear it. And they do this. Now, my kids like to wrestle a lot. They really like to beat each other up. It's fabulous. I think it makes them tougher. I really enjoy that. Right up until somebody's bleeding, I think it's a great thing for children to be engaged in. But you know what? Sometimes when my kids are wrestling, I know it's about to turn from fun to violent. I can feel it in my spirit. Not because I'm a weird Christian, just because I've been a, a parent long enough to just have a feeling, a sixth sense from when it goes to ha, 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 And I know someone's going to hurt somebody, and I know it's coming quick. And so they'll be wrestling, they'll be going about wrestling, and I'll say, hey, hey, cut it out, stop right now, and separate before someone gets hurt. Do they ever listen? No. And within 90 seconds, what do I hear? Somebody punched me. Somebody kicked me in the eyeball. Somebody shoved me into the coffee table. Somebody pulled my arm behind my back. Someone nearly choked me to death. I hear it. 
right? Now, all they needed to do was receive the implanted word with meekness. Now, Dad said we should stop because someone's going to get hurt, but they don't. They passive-aggressively ignore it, and then someone ends up injured. So you can do it one of two ways. You can just read something in the Bible, and then you know it's plain as day. It's plain as day. Like, you can't get around it. It's God's word. It's different than the world's word. It's different than culture. It's different than what the world would tell you. But you know God said it, and you look at it, and you see that God said it, and you go, nah, I'll change my mind. Or you go, oh, that's good, God. Ignore it. James says if you want to receive the benefits of the word, Ultimately, ultimately, the goal of the word in your life is to save your soul, according to verse 21. If you want to receive all the, 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 the myriad benefit, you have to receive it with meekness and say, I want to conform to him. And as you receive it with meekness, James says, you have to reject identity amnesia. James spends two and a half verses explaining this illustration of a mirror. Are you catching it? So he says in, 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 in verse 22, 23, and then into 24, all about this, this mirror thing. He says, be doers of the word and not hearers of the word, deceiving yourselves. That's verse 22. So he's going to explain that using an illustration in 23 and 24. He says, if you don't want to deceive yourself and you want to receive the benefits of the word, you've got to do it. And in order to do it, you've got to reject identity amnesia. So you can't do this. Look in the mirror and say, this is who I am. This is what I'm about. This is what I want to do. This is what I'm trying to accomplish. I think I'm really good. Yeah. I like the way I look. I think we fit. Yes. I like it. I got it. Now I'm going to go about my life, and I'm going to do exactly what I said I was going to do, which was, and I'm going to be, and I'm going to focus on that. And what really brings meaning is, and I was put on this planet because, this is who I am. This is my identity. This is what I want to do. This is who I want to be. And, and yeah, yeah, got it. What was that again? Because James is trying to explain that the mirror is not your mirror. Your image is not the image that God created you to live in. Look at the beginning of verse 25. Look at what he says. He says, but the one who looks in to the perfect law. He says, so you can look in a mirror. And you can look at yourself and say, this is who I am, and this is who I want to be, and this is what I want to accomplish, and this is what brings me meaning, and this is what brings me happiness. And you can look at that, and you can walk away, and you can engage in identity amnesia. You can no longer, even if you say, I want to be a Christian, I want to serve God, you're going you're gonna to miss the mark completely, because this is not the mirror. He who looks into the perfect law, this is the mirror. This is the mirror. This is who I am. This is who God designed me to be. This is the character of God. This is the standard of God. This is how I order my life. This is what makes me suitable to serve God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. This allows me to do all the good works which God prepared in advance for me to do. This is my hope. This is my security. This is my foundation. All right, I got it. This is the picture that James is giving us. That we can look in a mirror and try to determine our own identity, or we can look into what God's given us to be our true identity so that we're not operating in some kind of amnesia where we're not really sure what we're doing, where we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to be doing, who God is, what he has for us, or what our future holds. Because it's all in here. This is the mirror, and this is the center of our identity. 
what God's given us. James is saying reject identity amnesia. Don't look into a false mirror. Look into the mirror that God has given you in order to give you the appearance that he has always designed for you. That's what he's offering through his word. That's what he wants to give each and every one of us. This week I was having sort of a cruddy week. I had a ton going on. I had feelings of overwhelm, worry, anxiety, things that just were dragging me down. And three times this week, I had gentlemen, two, two gentlemen who go to this church and one who doesn't but knows I'm a pastor and is a Christian and goes to another church in the area. Three times this week, I had gentlemen come up to me and go, Pastor Matt, how are you doing? Like, not the how you doing, what's up, but just how are you doing? And I had a choice to make those three times this week. I had a choice to allow my life to be determined by this mirror or that mirror. This mirror says, I'm the pastor. I'm the leader. I want them to respect me. I'm here to pour into them. They're not here to pour into me. I need them to not see my weakness. I need them to think that I have everything going on so they'll listen to me on Sunday mornings when I teach the word. I need them to think that I'm a strong leader of this organization. And therefore, I'm going to lie. I say, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing great. I'm practically perfect in every way. Everything's good. Thanks for asking. How are you? But this says, God opposes the proud grace, which means good gifts to the humble. This says, my grace, my good gifts are sufficient for you, and my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And so I said to those three gentlemen, exactly what I needed to hear, and they ministered to me. I could have lived by this standard, but I chose to live by this standard.
not make sweet tea from lemons. This, your own image, your own designs for your life, will always leave you wanting. You cannot make sweet tea with lemons. Well, I don't want to make lemonade. Well, here are your choices. Brackish, muddy water or lemons. I'll take the lemons, please. Because I, I, I want a good gift of an ice-cold lemonade on a hot, parched day on my back patio, enjoying the splendor that God's given me. See, we, have, we can look at life one of two ways, can't we? We can look at the storms and go, or we can look at the storms and take the storms the way the Lord tells us to and say, I've got you through this storm. I'm going to walk you through this whole thing. Believe and trust in my word, not you, not your vision for your life, my vision for your life. Look into it, and guess what you're going to find? You're going to find that it has immense worth. You're going to see the worth of the word of God. James says that the worth of this is as a perfect law. Now, we know that law, scripture, word, these are all synonymous within the New Testament. James grew up calling the entire Old Testament the law. So he said, you look into what God has in his word, and you're going to find that it's complete. It's a complete way of living. It's a great standard. It's what God has for you. There's a reason behind all of it. God knows, and he sees, and he has a pathway forward for you. It's a perfect law. The longest chapter in the whole Bible is Psalm 119. Did you know? Do you know what the topic is? The law of the Lord. And David is extolling the Lord, saying, God, this is perfect, this is great, thank you for instructing me, thank you for telling me what I need to know in this life, thank you for being order and foundation and stability and boundaries for me, thank you, Lord, I need that. I need boundaries, I need order, I need your ethics, I need your way, I need your character, I need your plan, I need all of that, says David. James is echoing, it's a perfect law, it's exactly what you need. So much so that he calls it the perfect law of liberty. It's not going to enslave you. It's going to set you free. When you really look into this thing and you get out of this and you get into this, it's going to set you free. Because the shackles of this life are not found in the Lord. The Lord is freedom. The shackles of this life are found in the discontent that the enemy wants you to live in. The manacles of this life is found in the anxiety in which the enemy wants you to live. The prison cell of this life is the American dream that he wants you to sell out to. And I define the American dream as if I just get more money and more stuff and have more experiences, I'll be more happy. Not against capitalism. I like capitalism. Capitalism is good. I teach my kids to be capitalists. That's why they have Nintendo Switch right now. American dream. Let's get more money, get more stuff, have more experiences. Prison. It's a cell. That's not what this word says. This word says that you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. He puts you on this earth with meaning and purpose so that if you would find his way and his structure, he would do immeasurably more in your life than you could ask or imagine. Meaning and joy and peace and vitality and life and liberty. And we all do better with liberty when we know the boundaries, do we not? We all do better with freedom when there's something hemming us in before and behind. That's the way God intended it. Sometimes we don't want to look into the word. We want to look into the mirror. But, but we're receiving no freedom. We're receiving no hope. We're receiving no joy there. But we don't want to look into the word because we're afraid of what it will ask of us, what it will cost us. 
what will tell us, what will convict us of, is we don't want the boundaries. And James says those boundaries say, that event of those three gentlemen coming into my life and pouring into me a little bit. But I was still feeling the weight of so many things going on in life, so many pulls in different directions and things happening. I just honestly said, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to pray. I don't know what to read in my Bible. I'm just walking, having this conversation with God. said to me, consider it pure joy, my dear, when you face trials of many kinds. Because the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work in you, in you will be made perfect. In other words, in what you're going through right now is for your life good. And it's going to move you towards more holiness and being a more godly person. What's crazy about the Bureau of Motor Vehicles the other day? I met some of the nicest people I've ever met. I went to my wife's. She did. Oh, you got to go to this one. Well, all right, I'll go there. They were so nice. They were all such a blessing. They were so kind. They were so gentle and generous to me as they were bankrupting me. It was wonderful. It was actually a very nice experience. You know, I had to do a little bit of research. I had to spend a little bit of my mortal money. I had to take out a little bit of my time. I had to give a little bit of effort. But in the end, I can drive on roads that I didn't pave. Stop at stoplights for safety that I didn't repair. I can have a police force that makes sure that people would do me harm on the roads without doing harm to me. I can get on a plane not having to worry about who just came through the metal detector or having had to engineer that plane, feeling safe that I'm going to get to my destination. 
research and time and effort and even some money, I received some great freedoms. That's the minor stuff. It's just a little bit of time and energy, interest. This payoff is so much greater. This is so much greater. Blessing and freedom and salvation and peace and joy that any effort made to get in here is of inestimable worth. Let me ask you a question. If you're not spending time in the Word of God, why? The power to save your soul, to love the Lord, and it brings blessing for pastors or life group leaders, but for you. He has so much for you. If you'll drop your everything you 
that study helps to join a life group for the first time in a long time. To be in a group that centered further is meaningful. stand today. If you turn two palms towards heaven today, but you are not in possession of a decent study Bible, the church has purchased some wonderful study Bibles that have explanations of so much about what you'd be reading and really would help you unlock portions of the scripture that you might not have been able to understand before. After all, newest portions of scripture were written over 1900 years ago. We have ESV study Bibles right out on the Welcome Center where Pastor Otto's heading. Take one. For free. No questions asked. It's yours. And if we run out before you get to the Welcome Center, just look at Pastor Otto and say, where's my Bible? We're going to order some more and you grab one next week, okay? We've been giving these away for weeks now. And what greater expenditure can we make as a church than to make sure the word of God's accessible to everybody? Right? So grab it. Grab one. All right? We'll get more. We'll have more next week. But if you turn your palms towards heaven today and you're reading a version that's, you know, in, in the King's English, we got something a little bit easier to read for you. Okay? Let's pray and thank God for meeting us in this place today. Heavenly Father, thank you for being here. Lord, we celebrated you with different types of music. We celebrated you with prayers. We celebrated you by giving. We celebrated you by hearing from your word. And now we celebrate, Lord, knowing we go from this place as bearers of your Holy Spirit. Lord, work in and through us in the week to come until you bring us back together to celebrate you once more. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you.